1968, the UK's first independent radio station was licensed. By the time I arrived here in 1985, University Radio York was approaching its 18th birthday and felt like a permanent part of the campus landscape. Very happily, that has stayed true, and here we are, still on air, 52 years after that first license was issued. What's remarkable, however, is that ever since it started, URY has been run by student volunteers who've been around for three or four years at most. So there's a long chain of people who, since 1968, have sacrificed their time, their energy, sometimes even their degrees, to make URY a success. I'm David Hemingway, presenter of Throwback to the 80s on URY, and in this podcast edition of the programme, I'm talking to some of the people who ran URY in the 1980s. Later, I'll be joined by the late 80s cohort, now I'm thrilled to welcome back to our why some 35 years since they were last on air, six people who were big on the station in my first years. You are why. Now, before we get to the inevitable gossip and reminiscences, let's get a few words of introduction from each of you. Start uh, Stephen Humphreys. Good evening, Stephen. Good evening, David. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good too. Thank you. Now, tell us, who are you? What did, what, what did you do here? So I was um, director of URY from, uh, must have been 84 to 85. So I was in charge, basically, um, and what fun we had. Oh, yeah. Um, what's, what's, what, do you, what do you do with your life now? Um, well, in I, yeah, in brief, I could spend a long time on this. So um, I went into a career in public relations and communications, working for various organisations, and now I go under the title of Head of Corporate Communications, for the Financial Conduct Authority. Briefly there, we heard Lucy Mumford. Hi, Lucy. Hi, David, who we're not allowed to call Ernest How anymore. I'm, I'm, no, don't call me that. I'm absolutely not, not anymore. fine. No. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. Welcome back to you are why. Yeah, you are why. Now, we love it. Tell us. Yes. Tell us. Yes, sir. What, when were you at university? What did you do well, I, in URY? I did. Well, um, I was at university between 1984 and 1987, and I was the social secretary. I arranged trips to the Thornton's Chocolate Factory, and then we did a recorded road trip to the North York Moors and Bridlington Beach. And um, I also um, I also managed to uh, wangle interviews with with Hawkwind and uh, Bob Geldof. Though how I managed to oh, do we'll that talk more about is a bit that risky. Later, I'm sure. Yes, sir. And what do you do now, Lucy? Right, Well, um, I was running my own shop, which ended up in the in the Crown, um, being filmed there. But I, I now am um, working for in Cardiff University's student halls of residence, and uh, yeah, you have to have special skills there with students and stuff. Gone round in full circle, then, by the sound of it. Exactly. Exactly. Exercising your special skills with students. Yeah, well, I'm. A, we'll I'm talk a, more about that later. I'm a key, as well. I'm a key worker. Great. Let's let's move on. Andy Warmington. Good evening, Andy. Hello, David. I'm, I'm being specific with the surname because we've got two Andys on the line. So, Andy, hello. How are you? Hello. No, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Yes, I was at you are um, at University of York for only two years actually because I transferred in after my first year uh, and never did radio before and haven't since, but had a good deal of fun at URY. Um, I was never an elected official unless you account the, uh, the, the short-lived role of OSBD, which stood for Official Small Balding Drunkard. It was uh, yeah, set yeah. up to commemorate a guy who went on to great things in the world of radio called Simon Potter. It was all those things. Um, I wasn't really because I'm, I'm not that small. Uh, I wasn't a heavy drinker, but there was one famous occasion 
where I uh, <laughs> collapsed at a party. <laughs> Steve was there, weren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, I think I know what's coming, Andy. Yeah, but, but I am bald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, you are I, protesting a little bit too much. Yeah, there, the, la- I the last time I came back to, to URY was for the for the AGM in the, the uh, month or term after I'd left, actually. And I, I opposed a motion to abolish the, the um, post of OSBD, which sadly was lost. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I've disappeared from all memory. Uh, I'm now a journalist. I, I edit a trade magazine about chemicals, of all things, written quite a few um, historical articles, um, uh, currently working on a, uh, a massive project uh, on capital punishment in the in the post-war period. So, uh, you know, I've dabbled in a lot of different things, but a journalist is my day job. Great. Thank you. Let's move on. Simon Aldous. Good evening, Simon. Good evening. Pleasure to be here. How are you? Yes. Pretty good, thank good to you, talk yeah. to you again after all these years. Mm. Tell us, tell us what you did. Well, um, I thought I'd mention how uh, I think URY was my prime reason for applying for York in the first place. I think the year before I I went there, there was a piece in The Guardian about how they'd won some student journalism award. And there was a photograph of the very impressive new mixer they had in the studio with all these uh, different knobs and faders and stuff. And I thought that that is where I need to be. So I applied. I went there and I think probably the day I got there, I... Uh, banged on the studio door and demanded to be given a show immediately, which pretty much happened. Um, That's a common theme, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, after that, I didn't do any radio to speak of at all. I, I trained to be a print journalist and uh, uh, ended up working in uh, architectural uh, media and, ha- and have done pretty much on and off since then, interspersed with various other things, lots of stuff involving... Uh, music. I ran a a record label, managed a band, uh, built a recording studio. I've made a couple of feature films, all sorts of nonsense. I even uh, retrained to be a primary school teacher at one point, but I don't like to talk about that. Did you hold any posts? Did I hold any posts? I was at different times head of music, head of news, and I think I was social secretary joint. All of these were jointly held posts. But I was sadly denied the coveted post of, of station manager by completely messing up my election campaign. It was a very devastating experience for me. I'm, I'm <laughs> wish, wish you hadn't asked me that question, really. I'm sure we'll raw. talk more about that <laughs> a bit later as well. Mike Bond. Hello, Mike. Sorry, David. I, I, sorry, I got called away by life. Was it 33 years ago? Now, where were we? <laughs> we were in the middle of um, playing some records, I think. Uh, yeah, that was it. What was uh, uh, good of you to play Call Me, but you didn't call me, did you? No, on the eternal phone on 407. <sighs> no, you sent me a, a connection request. Since we've been here. <laughs> tell us, tell us uh, when you were at university, what you did here, what did you do in URY? Well, I am 80s throwback Mike Bond. I studied electronic engineering at York from 1984 to 87. Uh, I was in Goodrick College when it was on the main campus south of the lake where James College is now. Um, I was involved with URY for the whole three years. Uh, they let me be head of music in my second year, which was a post I clearly didn't deserve. Um, nowadays, I'm an energy engineer for the National Farmers Union, and I look after power plant in enormous glass houses around the land and horticultural and agricultural technology and stuff like that. And precisely now, I'm drinking coffee from a URY mug. Ah, we've got a good, good collection of those around. Yeah. I'm just amazed it's not got broken. Uh, our sixth uh, joiner this evening, Andy Cook. Hi, Andy. Hello, good evening. How are you, David? 
Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm well, thank no, you. No. Very well, thank you. Tell us. Good. Who are you? So, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, that, that's a very good question, something I ask myself frequently. Um, so I was at York from 84 to 88, um, I doing electronic systems engineering, which was basically the same thing that Mike did, but stretched out over four years with a, with a period uh, uh, out in industry. Um, I did absolutely nothing to do with URY in my first year. I spent the first year um, in a haze of alcohol, I think, um, but I thought I should do something more useful with my time. So um, in the second year, I joined URY. I uh, did quite a lot of presenting on and off. Um, it wasn't my natural disposition, but I, 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 I kind of got into it, so I uh, did, did a part of that. And then in, uh, in the third year, uh, I was technical director. God, we had grand titles, didn't we? Um, but uh, I looked after all the all the all the technology for for, for URY. But really, what I enjoyed was 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 the presenting. Did some breakfast stuff. Did some mid morning stuff. Did some drive time stuff. Did some um, some stuff in the evening. That was the, the the bit I really enjoyed. And now I work for BT, the same company that sponsored me through university. So I've failed to escape. Um, and uh, I run uh, all the technology for public Wi-Fi and the Internet of Things. Simon, you said that uh, you came to York specifically because you knew that URY was was here. Was anyone else in that situation as well? Or or did you discover URY on arrival? It was an exciting, massive surprise. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, fresh as week. Brilliant. I was the same. I had no idea until the day I arrived on campus and found it sitting under the library bridge looking... That's the great thing about university. You learn about all these things. I can do that. Actually, I couldn't. Tell. I don't even remember if I knew it was here before. But so, 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 I mean, why, what was your interest in radio? Why, why specifically then? Did you, did you see this article in the Guardian? And think, yeah, I've got to do oh, that. Oh, I've been doing that sort of thing since I was about thirteen with uh, like cassette recorders and making radio programs and then to, uh, <laughs> distributing them amongst uh, school friends. And uh, then I'd bought some very cheap illegal transmitter and uh, transmitted a VHF pirate radio station on Sunday mornings to to people in the next three streets around. And uh, that's just the sort of thing I like to fill my time with. I should be very clear that the illegal FM broadcasting never happened in your <laughs> No, never. So never. Never. We should be absolutely clear about that before anyone gets us into trouble. But he possibly uh, still does it in the Lewisham area now. Certainly do not. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not you then. All right. There's no, there's no spare frequencies in that part of London. I know oh, that. No, uh, that. You've tried. Already? Okay. So, Stephen, you said you were a director, you were in charge. Um, you had no interest in radio before you arrived, you said. But so, so why, why you are why? What, what did getting involved in you are why? What, what did becoming director to do for you? Well, no interest in radio, but an absolute love of music. So I suppose I pitched up because, you know, the way it is in the first few weeks, you go along to a few things. And um, it was at URY that I bumped into a, a bunch of people, including um, Simon and his best mate, Robin. Um, and it was just where we had fun. It was just, I guess, it was that mix of um, social in that you went out and had a beer in the evening with these people, but also... I don't remember uh, that bit. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, occasionally. And um, it was just that sheer joy of getting a two-hour uh, show once a week when you sat there and played all your favourite records. And frankly, if no one else yeah. was listening, you didn't care. Absolutely. What do you think the lasting impact of your involvement in URY was on you? Then? Well, I dare say there's a deep legacy. I dare say people still talk about those golden years in the mid-80s when we were all there. Um, 
Here we are doing exactly. Exactly. Um, it did have any. I did think mm, I'm quite interested in going into something a bit like this for a career and applied for various jobs. I thought about doing a journalism course, but couldn't face another year study. So I think the fact that I ended up in a career in PR, vaguely dealing with the media. Um, yeah, so it did influence my future career choice, certainly. Andy Warmington, yeah. uh, you said uh, that you'd not done radio um, before, um, that you didn't really hold any posts because you're only hit at York for a little short time. What, what did you do on the station ah. when you weren't being official small balding? I just rocked up and did my show uh, once a week, like, like most people. Obviously, I came to the meetings in the evenings, and uh, uh, I think it was a Tuesday evening, wasn't it, the weekly meeting? And it was the same night that... Uh, that um, the, the young ones used to be on. So at nine o'clock, we, we all finished and went out there. Um, but basically, like I said, no, I, I didn't come with any desire to get into radio. And uh, if I had, I would have I'd learned. I simply didn't have the technical skills. But I, I had a love of music, uh, enough of an ego to just want to do this and play the music I love to, to people and, and be heard. And uh, occasionally some people did, and they mentioned they'd, they'd heard the show and... Uh, some of them even thought it was good. Uh, and then happily moved on after York to do other things. University of York's official student radio station. Before I arrived, there was indeed uh, a music scene on campus uh, with, with, with gigs in Central Hall and so on. Uh, someone, tell, tell us about that. Boomtown Rats. Rats. Yeah. Rats. Who was there? Well, was oh, there. Okay. Yeah. The famous, yep. the famous October, Boomtown 1984. Rats. I got, yeah, I got into no eighty-five. I got no. into interview uh, Bob Geldof. Eighty-four yeah. was before. If I can interject, he's he, done it no, twice. They they actually came twice in my time. Yeah, they came twice yes, in our time. Right, yes. The first time would have been eighty-three or early eighty-four in my first year. Uh, now, Central Hall in those days was not licensed for dancing because it was built on a, a marsh and they thought if people danced too hard, it would sink into the marsh or something like that. Uh, anyway, Geldof yeah. in his unique style was told about this. And it, at the first, after the first, he said, he said, I've heard you're not allowed to start to dance in this. Well, I'm not allowed to swear, am oh, I? Oh, very but, good. It's like he's yeah. in the room. And everybody was summoned down to dance. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't. It, it, it didn't actually get it closed down, and that—that's a myth. But uh, it did get. It, we didn't need to be told twice, we did no. we? We we did what we were told. Hmm. No. My, my, it was it was February 1985 when I saw him in in uh, the Central Hall in the in in the and and they had the 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 the, the insurance so that so that he, he kind of broke the insurance contract and this was the problem, shouting out and telling everybody to get up and dance. And um, yeah, and, mm. and the thing is, I had him saying that he didn't care on interview, and I'd also filmed some of the gig. And then the next day, I got some suits banging on the door wanting the tapes, you know, which I'd, uh, which I'd luckily. Oh, it was evidence. I know, I know, it was really. Uh, it could have been scary, but I was just kind of vague. It was ten o'clock on a Saturday morning. What did they want with me? <laughs> so I said, well, I left the tapes in the studio, which I kind of had. So uh, that could have been where the where the missing country residence tape went, because it would could have been them. <sighs> It was all mysterious. That was the end of, of gigs in, in Central Hall, was Not it? Not quite, no. After the second um, time. I, actually, it might have been after the second time. I was about to say, um, I remember immediately after the first time, Ian Jury played the, the Central Hall. He'd been warned about this, and he, he, he told us about it and said, well, I've got no sympathy because I can't dance, you know, because of his childhood <laughs> polio. He said, yeah, sit there and wiggle your asses like I have to do. <laughs> 
because uh, because after that, the the big gigs all transferred up to Alcuin Dining Hall. Yes, in my from what I remember, who who, who played I there? I think you'll the find that um, Goodrick Dining Hall was the main thing. Oh, it was certainly Alcuin in my time. Worlds unite. In in my time in Alcuin, we saw um, the uh, prefab Sprout. And there was a spin-off from Roxy yeah. Music called The Explorers, who were pretty terrible. And uh, oh. I'm sure I saw one or two others. Wentworth. Imagine that. Um, yeah, the men they couldn't hang. They... I saw them because no. I was talking to them. I was talking to some guys at a table saying, I haven't seen the men they couldn't hang. What do they look like? And they said, well, like us, because it's us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Q-R-Y. One of the things that's come up again and again as I've spoken to our Y alumni during preparing for this programme is that, yeah, you all have fond memories of the station and and the programmes and so on, but you keep all coming back to the social side. Oh, absolutely. And, and Van Brodie and, Block. And what you did outside the station. What what about Van Brodie Block, Lucy or Andy or someone? Tell well, us. Simon well, wrote Simon it. Simon was the one who wrote it. Yeah, Van, Van, Van Brodie Block was a soap opera that I wrote. I think it only lasted a term. We had two episodes a week and it was... Uh, as the person writing it, it was very hard work to come up with two original episodes full of uh, cracking topical jokes and stuff each time. But it was a it was a good and formative experience. So there was no Van Brady block. That was kind of the joke that we set it in the yeah. the missing college. Right. And legend had it that they'd caught because every um, college was known. So it would be VA and VC. So this would have been VD, and that was clearly because that was the term in those days that we used for sexually transmitted diseases. It was so PC. Uh, so, so they called it VX block. Actually, that sounds a pretty convincing explanation. I can't think of another reason why they've gone against the, uh, the, the strict college naming system. Um, and yes. I think I just uh, wrote things that kind of uh, made fun and nuanced reference to the people we knew, knew and the things that were going on in the college and student politics. And then uh, every Tuesday early evening that we get round and perform it all pretty much in one take so I didn't have to bother editing it or anything put it on a cassette and then uh, go off and have our tea and have a station meeting and the next uh, day the episode would get played out on uh, on the radio it was it was classic URY it was a laugh you still have you still have the tapes I, I think Lucy I... asked me about this a few years ago and I said oh I've... it's probably in my attic somewhere I've but you've got, got it have you of, I've got still some of them except for the last two episodes which, um, yeah. which, which, uh, a lodger of mine uh, uh, from Libya taped over with um, with some sort of Arabic music, which was very nice music, but it <laughs> kind of yeah. killed I, the Van Brady block sort of ending. Which I, was a shame. I assumed you were going to say that the the student had had stolen it and then mass produced it in the Libyan cassette market. I'm, I'm disappointed at the way no, that anecdote no, shaped no. up, really. No. So what about activities off campus? I know there were trips. Yeah, well, we... There were trips. We, Tell we us. Arranged... Lucy, you were social secretary. Where did you take us? Well, we did a couple of road trips, which meant we recorded our days out and played it back later for everyone else to enjoy as well. Because uh, we couldn't do photographs on, on, on uh, radio, so the, the road trip worked fine. And we went to, we went to the North York Moors and to Gothland and... and um, we went up this hill and there was this big sort of reservoir on the top and then there was a, a door with a load of bottles tied underneath it, so it was a raft. And we launched Simon out into the middle of the raft. <laughs> but he held on very tightly. It was great. Some expensive recording equipment. He didn't, no, 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 we kept those on the side. <laughs> we weren't that silly. <laughs> but it was great. He didn't fall off or anything, you know. But um, yeah, That's not the photo I've got. He did fall off. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, I think. Or he's all no, about, or he's about was, to. That was when he was trying to get off. You know, if he'd hung on to the raft, he would have been fine. But um, yeah. But we would have never have got him back to shore because there was no wind. No, no. Well, we we sort of had to blow from the side, didn't we? Really. <laughs> we sort of pushed him out into the middle, and that was it, really. <laughs> we did think about walking away, but that, well, that would have been cruel, you know. The RSPCA and everything would have been after us. So. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but no, I think did we did we have a, some sort of like rope or something and haul him back in? <laughs> a oh, health and safety. Marvelous. Let me bring in Andy Cook at this point because Andy, you and I in our later years, we we did a pretty um, exp- exciting URI trip out as yeah, well. Yeah, I'd, I'd have said this is probably the most distant trip we did because um, we we went to Paris for, <gasps> for the weekend. Which was oh, just the two of you. <laughs> oh, how no, two minibuses oh, full of us. So that was uh, oh, that was rather good. And it was the same Cozy. weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Same weekend as um as you are white tour bus. Yeah, it was oh. good. And same weekend oh, yeah. as the, the rag team sent um had, had a sponsored hitch to Paris as well. But so I, you gave I, him a lift yeah, on the well, we, we I remember us thinking, what are we going to do if we meet some of the people wanting a lift? And I don't. I don't think we did. But I remember we got as far as Ferry Bridge and one of the minibuses broke down, which was a great start. Um, and then I, I, <laughs> I, I remember doing something illegal like changing drivers on the hard shoulder of the M25 at about two in the morning. I've got that, that, that in my mind. And the most, um, I, 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 yeah, I've clearly done the, the, power, done the ferry crossings you know, regularly since. I think it's certainly the roughest ferry crossing that we've, we've ever had on the, oh. on the way back. Um, oh. but I did. I did learn. So you didn't record those. I remember. No, but I did learn that actually. I, I remember I, that ferry crossing. Yeah, I got pretty strong sea legs, is what I learned from that one. But I think we were crap <laughs> students because we got to um, we got to Paris, and, and, and I don't really remember us having a wild weekend in Paris. I mean, we did all the tourist stuff, and it's one of the best trips to Paris I've ever had. But um, I don't oh. remember us staying up all night in the bars of Paris. Yeah, drinking absolutely. Well, you've got no money, have you? Well, uh, that, that, that's probably the truth of it. So. <laughs> you're students, you've got no money. It wasn't 60p a pint. You've got no money. <laughs> I've got some. I found a photograph the other day of our two minibuses parked up in a suburb of Paris. We, we found a really dodgy yeah. suburb of Paris at the end of a metro line and parked up the minibuses and left them there for a couple of days. And, I do remember I mean, amazingly, that. they were still there when we got no, back. And, and I looked at that, at that photo and I thought, my goodness, you, you'd never think about leaving something there now. But the other thing I remember is, you know, clearly we did that journey without the delights of GPS or anything like that. And we found where we were going. I've got lost plenty more times going around the periphery in Paris since then with, with a GPS and so on. Because yeah, goodness yeah don't trust the GPS yeah. maps are lovely. I think, Andy, you, as you're, we're all in our fifties now. We're all more aware of things like boring things like vehicle security that we didn't care about when we were eighteen, we're nineteen, twenty. Bus. So yeah, God, we yeah. Short, I remember we picked probably. it up from Polar Drive in in York, yeah. and I had to drive it down. I had was one of the drivers, and I hadn't driven since passing my driving test. And I drove this minibus down to somewhere near the Barbican in York to collect some of our people. And we got there, and the rest of the passengers said, "Right, someone else is driving the rest of the way." <laughs> <laughs> Who drove us to Derby to the Thornton's Chocolate Factory then? Because we all went. Do you remember us all going in a minibus then? And then they gave us the big box of chocolates afterwards. Well, we didn't all go, Lucy. Oh, and that was a cause of controversy, if you may uh, remember. Oh dear. Why? Do you not remember this? You were presenting the food program, and yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. and. Um, there was a Maybe, few of us went. Didn't Charmian yeah, the go? People, Charmian, you and Charmian said, we're presenting the food programme, so we must go because it's a chocolate factory. <laughs> Simon was there. Steven, 
because he was Stephen eating chocolates Palmer. off the factory line. Stephen okay. Palmer and I sulked because we couldn't. There was a limit on numbers, so we refused to go because we thought you'd broken the rules by bagging a place for you and Charmian on the grounds of doing a food program. Well, I arranged I'm... it on air, thirteen fifty a.m. and online. This is the University of York's student radio station. UIY. When I had to do a show, when I was on UIY, I had to think, spend all week, of, uh, all week beforehand thinking of really clever things to say on air and then forgetting them all as soon as the mic went live. Do you do that? All the time. Uh, I, had, I had pretty narrow musical tastes as well. I think UOY was the opportunity for me to explore all the library and so forth. And I used to play a lot of boring old ultra rocks and OMD and all that. And you might sniff, but OMD is still going oh, I today. OMD. But I didn't play sort of... Yeah, exactly. I didn't play Bowie and punk and rock and roll because I just didn't have developed music taste like what I should have. Um, but being on UOY gave me an inside sort of understanding of radio as a listener. So I, I now appreciate a good radio presenter and i can wince at a bad one but 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 you did come to york with an interest in apparently in in latin plane chant because the first thing you did (laughs) on arrival was was pulled together this little jingle which you've dug out and and well let's let's listen to it Listen to the Mike Bond show. Yes, see, oh, very good. three lines of Latin gibberish that is non-existent and then a subtle plug for the show. It was my mate Andy Hunts who was on electronics with me. He sang that and did all oh, the what? technical stuff. It's not me, but that was, that was what I would open the show with. If I had a show now, I think I'd be trying to repair the damage in all the music I didn't play, and I'd be trying to put a condensed history of the last 30 years into it, but uh, I was too late to get on the roster. Never mind. One of the great things for me about this show tonight is that I've been sitting here for the last six weeks playing 80s music and yeah. none of the tracks that you've all picked would come anywhere near my list of music <laughs> to play from the 80s. No. So it's really good to get a different a variety. University Radio York. You're listening to the podcast edition of Throwback to the 80s from University Radio York. I graduated in 1988, but like a persistent bad smell, I hung around the station for a few more years and got to know the team that came after me. So in the second part of the podcast, we're winding the clock forward to the late 80s and early 90s and welcoming back to our wise six people who ran the station then. Let's meet them. First on my list is Neil. Good evening, Neil. Hello, David. Yes, yes, you did uh, come back quite a lot, didn't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, couldn't get rid of me. Yeah, um, but um, very welcome it, it was too. And actually, that first hour that you've had on tonight, because those names were all people whose were you know names on old schedules that were lying around the office at URY. And actually, to be able to put some voices to some of those and, and personalities to some of those was was absolutely fantastic. So thanks for that. But uh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm Neil. Who are you? Um, Tell us who you are. Yes, right. I went to York to, um, well, I was supposed to be there to study physics, but I did a degree in student radio with a, with a hobby of occasionally um, turning up in the physics department. And um, just as well, because it then opened up a, a career as a, as a BBC journalist, which I've been doing pretty much, well, other than a journalism course, where three of us who are on air tonight together were all on the same journalism course. Um, but after that, I've been at Cumbria for um, pretty much the entire time. And Salam. Great. Welcome. Welcome back to URY after 30 something years. Um, next on my list, Phil. Hello, Phil. Good evening. Hey, David. Good evening. How are you? How are you doing? Good. I'm well, Thanks. thank you. And, and you? Yes. So, no, so it's all good. Tell, it's good. Us, tell us when. 
tell us when you were at URY what what you did while you were here. It must have been ninety to ninety three or four, because um, I I was going through a whole bunch of boxes and I found uh, uh, my demo tape. And I'm sure everyone remembers that you have to do a demo tape before the station manager lets you on air. Although I'm pretty sure they just listen to it and tick it off. Um, but yeah, no, I found it, and uh, I found it from 1991, uh, so I guess 91 to 93 or 4, somewhere then. Great, and and you held some posts. I know you were you, you held important positions in the URY hierarchy. I did, yeah, no, treasurer, the most important one, holding all the money. Um, they had, we had a little, little red book that had every expenditure in, and a list of all the previous treasurers, and also the, the secret account that we used to have, um, which I probably shouldn't mention, but... Um, that's probably long drained by now. I'm sure. Uh, I think. I think. I think we've got David on as well, who was, was uh, the treasurer before me, who handed me this well, secret yeah. little. Book. And, and and I was treasurer <laughs> a few years before that as well. And I got into trouble having a petty cash tin at one point. So who knows what a secret <laughs> account would have done? Let, let's bring in Dave Mitchell. Good evening, David. Uh, yeah. Good evening. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you, David? Welcome back to URY. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, so when were you at URY? We heard you were treasurer, but, but tell us yes. in your words. Yeah, that's right. So I immediately preceded Phil. So I was at URY from 1989 to 1992. Uh, and yep, I was treasurer, so uh, passed the baton on to Phil um, and the elections after I let go. And I was secretary after that, which I think basically just involved writing minutes i don't think any you did anything else apart from that job it was just minutes and agenda so very dull but it was very worthy indeed um and uh, yeah it was a had a great time there uh, alongside obviously doing a biology degree <laughs> obviously alongside which, which got most priority <laughs> um i would have said probably the, the radio station I, I think i can remember spending most of my time there i think probably like everybody else on there uh, on the program tonight, we uh, we probably spent most of our time there, and less in the uh, in the lecture halls and in the uh, and in the practicals than actually at the rate than uh, we, we did um, uh, for for our degree. Yes, I should point out to what uh, Phil just said. Of course, the demo tapes were presented to the station manager to to show technical competence, and we didn't judge style or, or personality. It was just to show that you could you could hit the news more than anything else. I, and probably, actually, I, I did do your demo tape, Phil, I'm guessing. I think you did, Neil. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I did be... hit the news. I hit yeah, the news. Well, you know, you know, well, you were certainly, you certainly uh, <laughs> were, were, were not a failure. Um, I mean, occasionally there were ones that were, but that was probably one of the few things I actually did in physics, was sit in the physics library and listen to demo tapes. Oh, in, reality, sorry, in, reality, in reality, Neil, how many people did we really fail? It wasn't that many, was it? There weren't that many, but there were a few who were a bit like, you know, the people who could just never pass their driving test. Um... <laughs> Let's move on down my list. Next on the, the list is a name that's actually been back on the schedule this term along, along with me. Richard, good evening. Hello. Sorry about that. How, sorry about what? Being, on, Being the schedule. on the schedule again. Tell us. I mean, yes, you've been doing alumni shows this term as well. It's been great to have some familiar voices, voices familiar to me back. But, but for the listeners tonight, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Richard Hollingham. Um, I was at York between 88 and 91. So I was... Uh, BBC Radio as... 2. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, I was at uh, the same time as Neil. In fact, Neil and I pretty much almost share the same birthday and our careers pretty much paralleled each other so we slightly sort of divided off. Um, so my degree was in applied biology, but like everyone else here I spent most of my time doing student radio and then later um, Radio York so I spent most of my second year 
uh, on air at Radio York. Uh, so I worked every weekend through my second year at Radio York. Um, I still make radio programs, so I make mostly BBC radio documentaries, uh, lots of podcasts, and I commentate for the European Space Agency on rocket launches. Oh, that's mm. exciting. That's, that's very impressive. Thanks. And Richard. I owe it all to I owe it all to URY. That's all I was going to say. I owe it all to URY. We'll come back to that. You can pay the pay the debt later. Um, Mark, Mark. Good evening, Mark. Welcome back to you. Why? Wow, the partridge is strong this evening, isn't it? Open a window. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I say welcome back to you. Why? But of course, but of course, a bunch of you guys were back in York for the fiftieth birthday we, a couple we, of years I, ago and and, I, I, and participated in outside my... broadcast. And I suppose one of the things that uh, is unusual for me is that I've actually sat through two graduations at York, uh, my own and my son's, which is... Uh, you sent a, your son a, a, to York? Uh, well, there wasn't a lot of sending going on. He uh, announced his intention, really, to my absolute horror. Uh, one of the things that I remember is that when he went there, I said, look, for the first two or three weeks, don't call me, don't interact on social media, just find your own way. And I said, you don't need to go to the student radio station unless you really, really want to. And of course he did. And he sent me this picture of the uh, freshers. They had the same thing that I remember we did as well, where you got the freshers in and you took that. There's a big um, lecture hall in the physics department, that massive one where they had them put the movies Mm. on. And they had that there. And he showed me a picture of him. And I realised that whatever generation York undergraduates look identical the the haircuts the the, the women look the same the men look the same they dress the same they are the same and and it just so took me back to 1988 to 1991 because I was there exactly the same time as Richard and Neil Uh, I then went on to work in the, the radio industry I was on air on uh, various commercial radio stations uh, in the north of England particularly. Um, And I then didn't do it because there's no money in radio. But I remember my parents, uh, very, very astute people, I asked them years later, well, weren't you worried that I was, frankly, doing no work? (laughs) And they said, well, no, we never really were because there, there were two things that URY did. Firstly, it taught me a craft skill. And still, it's the only thing I can do. I mean, I, I can't be a, a carpenter or <laughs> an electrician, but I can do radio, and it taught me to do that. And secondly, my dad, very, very successful businessman, said, you know, uh, other people spend tens of thousands of pounds on MBAs. Your MBA was clearly, and we saw it when you were 19 years old, was it URY? And that's as good as any MBA you'll get anywhere, the running of doing that. And hey, now, 30 years on, I'm running a business in lockdown. And it's you are why. It really is. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. We'll come back to you a little bit later. And our final guest in this hour is a familiar voice because he was on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Pete Gordon. Good evening, Pete. Hello, evening. I'm still uh, slightly nervous around the, the whole um, demo tape thing, listening out for people hitting the news on time because I'm still struggling with that. And it's 30 it's something <laughs> years later, so much so that the radio still station I've been at. Well, no, what we did in the end, so I've been at Eagle Radio for the last 25 years or so in Surrey, and um, we introduced a window for the news. So uh, obviously not taking it from a national feed, but from our local feeds. And uh, it's 30 seconds either side, as far as I'm concerned. So that sorted that one out. 
Go on, reintroduce yourself. Right, so um, I was at York uh, 86 to 89 um, and uh, did politics um, and radio, although that wasn't actually a combination degree. Um, and uh, yeah, it was um, it was a bit like Mark, really, uh, and indeed Neil and, and Richard, you know, all of us, really. Um, it was a great setup for what I've been very lucky about to uh, pretty much work continuously in radio, um, give or take a quick few months in the city um from from you know from 1990 so uh just uh, just a great grounding fantastic great well we'll talk to more of you all of you a bit more later um very interesting contrast because in the first hour the six people we had none of them have gone on to do radio as a, as a career and tonight's quite a large number of you have have, have gone on to to do radio part of your career at least and, and some of you are still um permanently involved in radio University of York's official student radio station. I've had a, a message, it's not a question, a message from, from an anonymous listener who says that with everyone saying they barely did their degree, my mum overheard and has now come in to tell me to start telling me not to allowed to do that before he gets any ideas. So um so maybe we should be a little more circumspect about admitting well, we didn't can do I, degrees very well. Can I chip Go on. I was gonna chip I was wanted to chip in on that. Because I realised that part of the reason I'm doing a comeback show this uh, this term is because I hardly spent any time at URY in my third year because I was desperately scrabbling to get a degree. So, so you, uh, you you decided to spend the third year actually getting a degree? Yeah, it's kind of worked out because I'm now a science journalist. So, you know, it was quite useful to have a science degree. But I got to the point where I realised that there was not much point being at university without a degree at the end of it. So I, I did sort of really rein back the uh, the URY and other extracurricular activities and just got, got on and tried to study. I think the other thing that's not immediately obvious when you're at university is just how useful some of the skills that you kind of develop around kind of teamwork and working with other people at the university are actually, university ready, are actually really useful when you actually get into the workplace. So... I think it's wrong to think of it as, you know, wasted time. We obviously had a great time, but it's part of the... It certainly helped me a lot in my kind of working career. So I, I don't... Ab ab it, absolutely. This is the, the, the key thing. One of the best definitions of management I've heard in my later career is getting people to do stuff when you're not there. And that's you are why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, although I mean, we were there most of the time. As, as the person who actually sort of started this particular rat running, um, I mean, I did do, I did clearly do some, some degree because I, I managed to get a 2-2, which was, um, you know, could have been worse. Um, but, but actually as well, I mean, when we came to graduation day in the, what would it be, about July or so, um, at the, you know, in 1991, in my case and, and Richard's and Mark's, um, there was, I think, about 75 people on the physics degree course. And um, of those 75, there were about 15 to 20 of us who had some other further training. There was the, the boffins who were going to do their PhDs or their MSCs or, or some who wanted to be teacher training, um, go off and do their PGCEs, PGCEs. Mostly, I have to say, the ones who you wouldn't have thought were going to be destined to be teachers, but that's another story. And then there was the oddballs like me who were going off to do broadcast journalism and of the rest of them that would have left what you know over 50 people about three of them had a job to go to 
So actually, okay, yes, that was at the time of a global of, of a national recession in 1991. But thanks to doing URY, I actually had a future that summer. I had somewhere to go to, and that somewhere then led to a job. How many of you chose to come to York because you know URY was there, and how many of you discovered it once you? Were well, there? I did. I did, yeah. Um, I mean, I knew there was a campus radio station. I chose universities that had radio stations um, from their prospectuses. It was one of the things I looked up. Um, so, yeah, uh, the fact that URY had a campus-wide station was, was a big draw for me, yeah. Yeah, definitely was for me. I'd, 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 um, I'd clocked it as well. And um, what I didn't realise is that even after, I, you know, I went in on week one, I think I even went in before the Freshers' Fair, actually, and um, talked about getting a demo in. What I didn't realise was how obsessed, how obsessed I'd get. But I, I, I certainly, I, it was certainly a factor of going for York for me, definitely. No, I remember David Mitchell said a very um, uh, uh, wise thing to me. He says, we're all radio anoraks, and we were when we arrived, just some of us didn't know it. And I, I fell into the <laughs> latter category. I didn't know, but then I started talking about the radio that I listened to when I was a teenager, uh, and it was everything. It was bizarre stuff. It wasn't just Radio 1. It was I was obsessed with Just a Minute with Test Match Special, but also I was the one who listened to Radio Moscow. Radio Tirana was one of my favourites. And my favourite music station was the American Forces Network on 738 on the medium wave. And that is even before we got on to Radio Caroline, Veronica, Laser 558. I was the one with the radio that actually turned the dial. And I suddenly realised this was just, this is me. I hadn't even, but it took me time to realise it was me, if you see what I mean. So did any of you come to York not knowing about URY? Yeah, I did. It's Richard here. Um... I'd actually been, it was interesting listening to Simon in the last hour, actually, because I was similar. I had a a makeshift radio station in my bedroom when I was 12, and I'd rigged up speakers all around the house, had two turntables. I would do commentaries on the neighbor's lawn mowing. I was absolutely obsessed with radio. Um, And then I did hospital radio in Norwich, uh, hence the Partridge connection. And I did that when I was uh, at sixth form. Um, and I was, again, I was obsessed with it. And I got really fed up with it. There was sort of quite nasty sort of internal politics, um, lots of egos. And I thought I had it with radio. I'll go off uh, and, get a, and get a degree. Got to York, got into my room. Um, and on the, on the desk was the ULY planner. I thought, wow, there's a radio station. And I within 10 minutes i'd gone down to the radio station which was then under the under the bridge uh, connecting uh, the library to vanbra and uh, i'd pretty much signed up and i think i had a show the first week so you know it was um but i hadn't chosen york knowing it had a radio station i think for me it was probably half and half so like richard i'd done uh hospital radio before i got to york so i got kind of some grounding and it, it was something that i was you know kind of interested in um, I think like Richard, you can have mixed experiences there. There are some great people, but it's, it, it, it can sometimes be a little bit stayed. I think is probably the right way of describing it, at least when I was there. So, um, I think that URY was a bit of a breath of fresh air. So it was a little bit more kind of in tune with where I wanted to be. I mean, a couple of the radio, a couple of the universities I applied to had radio stations, a couple didn't. So it was a little bit important. So the top two that I applied to Hull and York did but the other two didn't on my uh, kind of OCA form. So I think, um, okay. you know, it was good that I landed at York because it was, you know, it, it really kind of complemented everything else I did there. 
Look, we've got to move on because we're even further behind this hour than we were in the last hour. Phil, we're going to come to you in a second for your choice of music, but I want to play something you sent me earlier. Ah, first. Yes, uh, yes, yes. You, you've, you've, you've pulled together a, a quick sort of montage of URY jingles from that time. And oh, I'll, God, yeah. I'll just play think, it yeah. and you can... Let's, Go ahead. Let's just talk. It'll let, be a blast. <laughs> Your music, your news, your station. Nine, nine, nine kilohertz. Hi, this is Mark Goodyear from Radio 1FM. Keep listening to University Radio York on 999 kilohertz. Not city weather. This is URY. Faster than sound. For news as it happens on Focus 1991. 5.37. This is University Radio York. Some familiar voices in there. Yeah. I think you, you hear everybody on, on this uh, on this program. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact is that. Yeah. D- d- does anybody recognise the one female voice on there? Yeah, it's Jane Garvey. Jane Garvey. Yeah. Wow. Very good. Broadcasting to York University. You are my. We're going to talk about some of the wilder things that you are. I did now. Um, Mark, you want to talk about the lake? I seem to have been nominated. Yes. Um, yeah, I think you are. I was. Tell this 21 story in 1989 and there was a thought yeah what are we going to do and somebody said it's really simple let's just have an OB from the middle of the lake what a good idea and so what you've got is that we're under the library bridge because uh, it, URY has, simp- has moved to the bike sheds at Vanbrugh many many years ago but then it was under the library bridge so what you've got is you've got a mixing desk on Vambra Paradise, that's what they called it, wasn't it? And you put a massive great cable back up to URY and you plug that into the transmitter that goes around the university. And then we'd got from the sailing club an enterprise dinghy that, shall we say, was in the second half of its life. Um, and uh, the idea was was that we were going to present from that. So there was a, then a connection from the mixing desk to this boat that was on the water. Um, and there was so there's the water and electricity interface was already there. Uh, refreshments was then, of course, taken because this was in the afternoon. Um, and I think that Neil certainly was on the boat with me. And there's been some criticism of my performance on this one. Um, fact is that I'd grown up around boats, and therefore I do know that a boat has a sharp end and a blunt end. And I made a very wise life decision is that I positioned myself at the blunt end. And there were a couple of reasons for this. Number one, the blunt end means you're able to steer. As you can see from any sort of boating thing you've ever seen in your life. So I had some uh, control of our destiny. Also, the field of vision around me was um, uh, 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 quite good. Unless somebody came up in the water behind me, then I could see I could see everything in front of me. Neil was on the bow and therefore could not. Hence, numerous involuntary exits from the Enterprise, 
which had <laughs> electrics. <laughs> I don't know how it was connected back, but we were broadcasting in some form or another while we were throwing each other in. People were throwing stuff at us from the bridge as well. I seem to remember that as well. <laughs> It does seem to be a recurring theme in UI that people end up in the lake at some point. We, Peter uh, uh, and I were discussing this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, uh, this ha- anyway, so, happened to him. So, so this happened anyway. Everybody got, got, got tried afterwards. And then I think it was only sort of that evening that we realised that this possibly would have, ha- would have failed the risk assessment. <laughs> that there were maybe one or one, two issues presumably. that were, <laughs> that were somewhat sub- suboptimal in our approach to this. And, and talking of risk assessments, there's another story about a technical director and a soldiering iron. Who's going to tell that one? Oh, yes. I, I, I don't know who else was there. I think Neil or Richard may have been there for this one. Um, it was one afternoon and they had an office um, in the underneath the library bridge where you sit and chat. And there was the record library there and there was a telephone and there was a desk. And uh, they were playing with the... Because very soon after this, what happened is that the, 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 uh, uh, the transmitter went fut in a huge great lightning storm and so they were rebuilding the transmitter permanently it was off air for the rest of the su- summer term while we were sorting that out and uh, adrian slim was the technical director who was quite a character to say the least and um he also had an interesting view to his personal organization and clearly something was being done with the transmitter that was in bits on the floor and a soldering iron was um put up to heat up and he sort of clipped it to the radiator there so that it clipped onto the radiator. And they went away and forgot about it. And then he came back about 15 or 20 minutes, by which time the soldering iron was really quite warm. This was least. a very big soldering iron, wasn't it, Mark? It was, uh, <laughs> it was an industrial-sized monster. <laughs> and he, he leaned up against the radiator. And I've been told to moderate my language on it. And it said soldering iron went straight up his posterior. Uh, <laughs> at which point, this is like a cartoon. He is literally jumping up and down <laughs> as he tries to remove his trousers to get out <laughs> to the bathroom and the taps, which are at the back, which might provide him with some temporary relief. This is this is really not nice to laugh at other people's misfortunes like this, Mark. But thank you. <laughs> the trouble is, about four or five other people here were literally <laughs> collapsed on top of each other. They were having to go out of the building and just lie on the ground. They were laughing so much. Oh, can, I just, can I just Sorry, go throw on, a quick go on. question in, David? Because I have yeah, you know, asked us for recollections, and I just want to know whether this mm. is true. This is maybe not the right forum to... to to put this forward, was there a competition involving my boxer shorts? Did that actually happen? Or am I imagining that? That was too much cheese you had last night, Richard. <laughs> Maybe I I've, I've got an awful It's a Valentine's you... Day yeah, competition. Yeah, I've got an awful breakfast show competition. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was also Penny Sowerby going to that company in Leeds and coming back with a industrial-sized box of condoms so that we could do a challenge <laughs> um, to um, see how many pints of water you could get in a condom. And I remember I, Listen, I, 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 I was aquavacking um, Alquin reception for about two hours after that because of the amount of water that was distributed everywhere. But yeah, so that was the same day, wasn't it? Was all that that all happened? Yeah, that, so that it, must it, was, be... it was comic relief or children in need. Okay, right. Yeah, I should add that the uh, the person who was the expert at that went on to become the city editor of the Mail on Sunday. University of York's official student radio station.
We talked a bit about some of the things that went wrong at URY, but but things also go right. Um, and you must have some moments you look back on and think, yeah, I'm really proud of what happened there. Who wants? Who, who's who's got a who's got a moment they're proud of? So um, the main thing I was going to say was, firstly, I enjoyed being the officer. So I was I was a secretary to start off with, and actually, David, you sent me a few little notes of my minutes uh, a couple of weeks ago, which uh, my handwriting was quite good in those days. I don't know what happened since then. And then I went on to be station director, which I always thought it wasn't quite sure how I got that. And I, and, but I really enjoyed it. And the other thing was, I think it was '88, we did a national student album chart which the radio station coordinated with Nest Cafe um, using other campuses with radio stations where they, they uh, polled their people. And uh, we came up with a, a student chart and I ended up recording a show with David Jensen in London for that. And there's, a, there's actually a cassette tape knocking around because one of my colleagues suddenly came up with it on air the other day, which was quite interesting. Um, but I hadn't seen David since then and literally worked with him only about two years ago um, as well so it was nice to, to meet up he obviously didn't remember that particular moment with the network chart although I did great thank you Pete anyone else come on just a just a quick one I mean you know yeah what what would be your sort of you know your standout achievement difficult but hearing those jingles before and the yeah. your music your news your stations catch line which was introduced um, while I was station manager and I, I came up with um, I sent a demo tape to um, Spire FM, the new commercial in Salisbury, um, mm. when I was doing my um, journalism course. Um, was invited for an interview, was told, I'm afraid we don't have any jobs, but we'll bear you in mind. Um, and then when the station went on air um, about two, two, three months later, it was Spire FM, your music, your station, the swines. Yeah, that's the strap line. That strap line's been used many times, Neil. That's been used a lot of times. Chris Carnegie, thank you, mate. Yeah. Now, I I think that I I promise not to speak anymore, but um, when we had the. (laughs) But you're going uh, to anyway. That's not worked for 30 years, that one. Yeah, when we had the reunion uh, uh, event in York uh, a couple of years ago. Two years ago? That, that did make me proud was that, that from our generation there were 15 or 20 of us it was farcical and basically there was um a load of people who were from the the, the uh the 21st century and just a huge crowd of us who obviously were all still going through our lives and still mates and still in touch and having a having a wonderful time and i thought wow we've actually really achieved something here that's quite special I think for me, the things that, that you remember most are probably the outside broadcasts. So, so, and just the immense effort to actually do those things. So, you know, the, the things we did on Vanbrugh Paradise really involved dismantling half of the studio and walking it down to the lake um, just for a, for a couple of hours. But it was a great thing to do. And we did basically the same for the student union elections. So I think those are the things... Actually, getting out of the studio, those were the things that, that really stick in my mind and that I, you know, just for the sheer effort, but that, you know, the sense of achievement after you'd done them. Yeah, we didn't talk in the first hour about some outside broadcasts I remember doing from the Coppergate Centre in the centre of York. Oh, and there's no way we could do them live, of course. So we, we had to record an hour worth of programme onto a tape and someone had to jump on a bus, <laughs> run the tape back up the station and, and get it on air within 20 minutes or something of, of the hour down at Coppergate finishing. Uh, but that was great. It was a huge publicity. Uh, we did an outside broadcast from York Station to greet freshers one year. I don't know if any of you remember that. You probably it's probably before your time. Well, that was the first thing. Yeah. So I, like Mark, promised not to speak anymore. But that was actually the first thing I heard 
on URY when I got to my room and I switched on the radio to listen to URY. And I'm pretty sure it was either Pete or it would have been Nick Sheard or Pete Gordon presenting that and they played Madness House of Fun relentlessly. Do you know, I think, I think, do you know, do you know, I'd forgotten. I, we did do that at the station. You're absolutely right. In fact, I think it was me and Nick Sheard, if I remember rightly. Uh, gosh, gee, I've completely forgotten about that. Well done, Richard. Very good. Good <laughs> reminder. You're right. We did do that that yeah. year. So you are the reason wow. that I joined your wife. So I heard you two at the station playing House of Fun. <laughs> nice memory. Broadcasting to York University. You are my... We haven't heard much from Phil. Phil, what's what, what what's your abiding memory of URY? Oh well, I I think like we talked about outside broadcasts, and um, I think the fact I, I got a, I got a bloody parking ticket for doing something in Coppergate, which I managed to get rescinded. And we did these things with, for for Nestle on vice versas, and they were these like weird chocolate things that we gave thousands and thousands away. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I think the the, the biggest thing just alluding back to what we had at the beginning of the show was um just the other skills that you get of of just um of just doing something so you know i did computer science uh, for like seven years at, at york um but recently all those skills like doing all the demo tapes doing all the uh the, the stuff on the radio have come back recently because um very very short story my husband was, was on um the great british bake-off like two years ago and since then we have been doing podcasts we have been doing um stuff live like live live stream stuff and all those skills have been really really useful um and i go well you know it's been handy to have to know how to cut something and i was talking to david earlier uh, when i was just putting, putting those jingles together is that it's all changed so much um you know before it was cutting bits of tape and now it's pressing buttons university radio york Many thanks to my two sets of guests who ran URY in the 1980s and into the early 90s. The most remarkable thing about URY is that it reinvents itself every few years as new students arrive and take the reins and carry the station forwards. Each of us from the past has contributed what we could, and we've all just been part of that long tradition. The fact that URY is still broadcasting now, even in the current circumstances, is a huge tribute to today's team, of course but also to the previous teams who over the years have built URY into what it's become. And we should all take pride in that. Huge thanks to Isaac Lowe for managing all the techno gubbins behind the scenes on the show. This has been a throwback to the 80s podcast from University Radio York. URY. <laughs>